Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 448 now of the Ron and Don Show. Yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios, and Ron, a pretty amazing number about how many spins this podcast has received over the past couple of years. Yeah, what is up, Ron and Don Nation? I just checked our, our uh, little online portal, and we reached 1.5 million spins of uh, the Ron and Don show on uh, on the podcast form. So just thank you for everyone that spent that amount of time with us. Uh, we really appreciate Your time really is your biggest asset, uh, your most valuable product, if you will. And the fact that you choose to spend it with us, I, I never take that for granted. What about my ass? I thought that was Hey-o! valuable. <laughs> Maybe it's yours. I don't have it's not, one it's not I spun it off a long time ago. So anyway. Uh, hey, you guys. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, have you heard about this? B-Wags, also known as Bobby Wagner, and everybody's talking about uh, the Seattle Seahawks, the Broncos this week, and, of course, that game on Monday night. How about that? Anyway. Uh, do you know Bobby Wagner? <laughs> Not only was it kind of a slap in the face when he figured out how he was going to have to leave Seattle. He's his own agent, and do you know, he started text messaging other teams about trying to get a job. And here's a guy that has the most tackles in Seattle Seahawks history. He'll go in the ring of honor. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a Super Bowl guy, an MVP. He's all those things. And statistically, he had one of the best years last year, and the Seahawks cut him loose. I think when they said, hey, we're getting rid of Russell – we already, you know, got rid of the linebacking core and the Legion of Boom. Bobby has to go. And so Bobby found out uh, on Twitter that he was let go by the Seattle Seahawks. You're not going to believe what he had to do acting as his own agent to secure the job at the L.A. Rams. That story is out. Can't wait to tell you about that. Also, uh, Jeff Bezos, we hear a lot about him. But you know what we don't hear a lot about is the fact that uh, his wife, who he divorced after 25 years because I think he was doing a little bone chicka bone bow on the side. Anyway, she ended up with about 25% of his wealth. She's worth almost $40 billion. She said she's going to give most of it away. She just married a school teacher, and you're not going to believe who she just gave $55 million to. I wish I could wake up and decide today. Huh. I wonder who I'm going to give $55 million to. Jeff Bezos wakes up every day and says, huh, I wonder how I can make $55 million more million each and every minute. You don't hear him giving a lot of that money away. Nonetheless, his prerogative. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I was reading a story this week about a family that said, you know what? Uh, Dad was on the road all the time traveling. Mom was at home with the three kids. And she finally said, you're traveling all the time. We only see you a couple days out of the month. She goes, I want to be with you. And how can we do this? And they said, well, you know, we can't afford to just go buy a house everywhere that I have to work because he's a traveling salesman. And they said, well, what about if I, when, when we travel, if we get an RV? And here they are now, five RVs later, they keep upgrading. 
and he's still a traveling salesman. The family has now moved into the RV. The mom is homeschooling. They said they are happier than they've ever been. They sold their house. They don't own a home. They just own, own this pretty cool RV that they kind of tricked out. And they said, you don't have to go spend $500,000 on an RV or even fifty. You can spend five and just kind of update it, which is what they have done. Ron, it's kind of interesting because uh, Gunnar and I and, and Charlie the dog just got to spend some time up at your tiny house, which is kind of the size of an RV. Uh, and we know of people, especially through the pandemic, that went out and got vans. Some people are now selling those vans because they're like, yeah, the van life is not for me. Other people have moved into those vans and they're traveling all around the country, if not all around the world now, internationally. I know some people that have even shipped their vans or bought a van, van and shipped it back. What about that? As you get older, is, is the tiny house life for you? Is the RV life for you? And do you have an appreciation for what this family did at a very young age saying, hey, we want to be together and this is what we're going to have to do to make this happen? It sounds exciting to a lot of people that at the same time, man, not having your own room or your room is just, you know, brother, sister is sleeping in a bunk upstairs. Uh, what could go wrong? What say you? Uh, this family, it would be the fact that they have three little kids. That's the, the, the X factor to me. I'm curious, though, because we haven't really talked about it in this format. Spending the night up at the tiny house, and I know you you sort of got the short end of the the straw on which bed. I have three little sleeping areas. You got the worst of the sleeping areas. I tried to make it as comfortable as I could, but you stayed there. Um, do you, and it's sort of built out now. The decks are done, and the view is there. Could you spend an extended amount of time there? I could, but not with you and my son. Right, right. like yeah, I couldn't do that. Uh, and, and for me, because we went up on a holiday, so I don't think it was, it was fair, but, and I brought, it, sometimes what I'll do is I'll eat half an edible to uh, go to sleep. It helps me sleep. I used to take uh, sleep medication. And the problem with sleep medication is you don't get a lot of great, it puts you to sleep, but you don't get a lot of great REM sleep. And, and a lot of times you take that sleep medication, you wake up four hours later and boom, you're up. Uh, so anyway, so I, my friend George, who's in his 70s, uh, a number of years ago, we were fishing, and he said, "Hey, my daughter, who's kind of a, a, a hippie girl, and she's a, she goes to Burning Man every year and all. She's super cool." He said, "You know, I was on sleep medication too." And he said, "I just eat a corner of this edible and I go right to sleep." So I, I brought this edible with me, but there was this party going on next door, and these guys were still going at three thirty in the morning. I hadn't fallen asleep yet. I didn't know if you were asleep. I know that uh, my son was asleep. He was in the, the bunk up. And finally, I just said, you know, I'm just going to sit here and read in the hell with it. And then when I go home, I'll, uh, I'll sleep real well. And that's exactly what happened. Ever since I've gotten home, I've been sleeping great in my own bed. At the same time, being able to get up, being on that river. You know, you said go down there, watch the sun come up. You got a cup of coffee in your hand. Uh, the crackling fire in the evening, making s'mores getting on a mountain bike, touring around. What's really fascinating about where we were up in the index area is there's a lot of, there was a lot of uh, uh, mining that was happening there, some logging. And then you have the, this time where people were making meth up there. So you'll go buy a really beautiful home and then you go buy another home. Uh, at least I saw one home up there that said uh, that they don't allow meth there, which I think is right because I don't have a sign. We don't allow meth at my house, but we don't have a sign outside saying that we don't allow meth. And I didn't really understand it until you explained it to me and some of the people around there. But then you have Lake Serene 
a beautiful, beautiful climb. Uh, you took us off to some places that were just uh, balls, and, and I got to jump on, on my new mountain bike and ride around a little bit. So I have to say, yeah, I could go up there and, and not come home for a long time, maybe grow a beard and some long hair, but I don't know that I could do it with somebody that wasn't, uh, yeah. Like, it's see, not big enough for a family of three. Well, the thing That's is, this you're, family of you're, five. A gr- you're a great host, and then and then you're you're like like I felt bad because I always wanted to help and do things because I'm a helper. But you just have it all dialed in. So thanks for being a great host. We had a ball. My son is still talking about. It. I wonder when we can go back. And it was worth the couple hours of sleep that I didn't get because I got to ride through the camp on my mountain bike the next morning. And uh, and, and yeah, and, normally there is not to the a... campers next door that you're not going to believe this. They were still in bed sleeping when when I came by and rolled through the camp. It so. was it's not normal to have a family reunion next door. That, that <laughs> only happens once it a year. It was great though, man. Thanks for having. We had we had a ball, and you you you've done a lot of great work up there. It's a it, it's a very exciting place. But the go. size of that rig that's considered a relatively big tiny house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I was pulling that around America on a truck, I, 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 I wouldn't want that lifestyle because yeah. I, I rather would just have it stay put on the river and then travel. If I want to travel, go travel, uh, and not drag that thing around America. What about you? Uh, I'm with you. I'm, and, and, and I think when it, when it's, is it, my, you know, I have some. I have some goals. My son is twelve now. When he when he turns eighteen, and I promised him that we would stay in the house that we're currently in. But it, it'll be interesting to see what happens, and as he moves on in life and figures out figures out what he wants to do, I don't see myself living in this big house. And if I'm still still single, uh, it'd be different, I guess, if I had a partner. But I don't see myself selling this house either because it 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 functions great as a, as a short-term rental or even a long-term rental. Cause I have three doors on this property now. So I think it's something I'm a buy and hold investor. I think I'll always hang on to it. But I think at that point, then maybe what I would do is move into the cottage in my backyard and then, and then have a similar type place over in Maui. And I think that'd be kind of it. I, I know a lot of people like Montana and Idaho, but I'm over the snow and the cold. Like I've done that. I've, li- I've lived in the Pacific Northwest. And then also the high desert. I've lived in Phoenix. I've lived in Albuquerque. I've lived in, in California. I've lived in Texas. So I've, I've, I've lived in the south part of the state. And, and we in states, we've lived in all the border states, including New Orleans, Dallas, all those places. So I, I, I think for me, like when I go to Maui, Things make sense to me when I'm over there and, and just simply riding a bike, jumping off your bike, jumping in the ocean, going for a swim. That's kind of cool here. If you jumped in the water, uh, when you come back, good chances are your bike's not going to be there. So it's a little colder. Uh, yeah. So, so I see kind of pivoting and I, I'll always have a home here in the Pacific Northwest, but boy, you know, everyone's saying they really like the Chris fall, whatever. I don't. I, I like the summer that we were having and fall is getting in the way. So but if you don't mind it, it means that winter and the sun going down at two 30 is right around the corner. I'm not looking forward to that as I'm looking out the window right now in a picture perfect day. But if the zombie day. apocalypse ever happened, I, 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 you definitely could live at that place. I've got in yeah. the tiny All right. more on the other side. You got Attorney Ann Fitzpatrick needed to move to Tacoma for family reasons and turned to Ron and Don for help. The market was tight, but Ann spotted what could be the perfect house. It was Thanksgiving Day, though, so she emailed the guys and told them, hey, don't worry about it until tomorrow. 
And of course, they ignored what I said about don't work on Thanksgiving. And we immediately got in with an inspector the very next morning, uh, you know, immediately started strategizing. Ron and Don told them there'd be plenty of competition and a fierce bidding war. So instead of waiting, they came up with a strategy to put on the full court press and make an early offer to convince the seller to go with Anne. We actually managed to scoop up this house before anybody else had a chance. So if you're looking to buy in such a tight market anywhere around the sound, you need a team on your side with deep expertise, creativity, and tireless dedication to their clients 24-7, even on holidays. And it all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down at ronanddonsitdown.com. People ask me, how do you put up with these two? My answer, good snacks and video games. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Again, if you need us, everything is at ronanddonsitdown.com, and we're doing a lot of sit-downs. We love to sit down with you and talk about your life, your goals, your ambitions, and your real estate journey. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, you're an investor, you're looking to buy a vacation home, you're looking to move out of the area, stay in the area, downsize, upside, side side, whatever it is, uh, We'd love to have a conversation with you about it virtually. Uh, so just go to ronanddonsitdown.com and we can get that handled today. Bobby Wagner, I, I was really sad, truly sad, about the way he found out that the Seattle Seahawks no longer wanted him. And statistically, Bobby Wagner is not off his game. In fact, uh, I think he ranked in the top five in the NFL as far as tackles go last year. He's the number one tackler, linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks ever. You know he's going into the ring of honor. And you know that he liked being a Seattle Seahawk and he wanted to retire as a Seattle Seahawk. For those who don't know, he functions as his own agent. And so what happened when he found out on Twitter that the Seahawks didn't want him anymore, and Pete Carroll has come out and John Schneider has come out now and they've said, hey, we screwed up. And that was not the way to communicate that to Bobby. Uh I think if they had to do it all over again, though, they'd do it the exact same way they did it because, you know, it's all about your 53-man roster. It's all about winning football games. It's all about selling tickets, putting butts in seats. And they know at some point the Russell Wilsons and the Bobby Wagners and the Marshawn Lynches will come back and they'll be in that ring of honor. And some of them, like Bobby and Russell, will go on to uh, be in the Hall of Fame for sure, in the NFL Hall of Fame. I thought it was interesting. What he started to do is text teams around the NFL, basically asking uh, if you are looking for a linebacker. Uh, and he had reached out to a bunch of different teams, including the LA Rams. And he signed these texts, and he did it by text message, not by email. It's, it's really interesting because the new email, especially for a younger generation, is the text message. And he would sign these messages that he sent, B-Wags, because that's what his teammates call him, B-Wags. And when LA, the Rams first got this, they, they went, number one, there's no way that the Seattle Seahawks would be dumb enough to get rid of Bobby Wagner. And number two, there's no way that he would let him fall, they would let him fall to a division rival. And number three, there's no way that somebody out there would be, because everybody has an agent, the player would be reaching out to us and then signing at BWAGs. 
this doesn't seem real. But Ron, it was very real. Isn't that crazy? It was. It is in I I, I struggle with this sometimes because like we'll be doing a pretty expensive real estate deal and you'll have another agent that's a millennial that's just texting you and you're like are we really going to do this transaction by text? Like we're talking about a very large amount of money. Really, we're going to do this by text. And like I, I react the same way as the GM in LA did. It's like, come on, man, pick up the phone and call me or whatever. But set that aside, it is it is a prerogative to do this. And I always like it when players are astute enough, like Bobby Wagner is, to they've gone through a couple deals, they've done the math and gone, oh. Um, the, the marketplace is, is kind of set for my position. Now, if you're a quarterback or maybe you're a really high end receiver, then you could get a blockbuster deal and maybe you need representation because you're going to make a very complex deal. When you're a linebacker on your third or fourth contract, you kind of know what the market is. He can go out, he knows all the guys, he can see what all the numbers are published. He can go out and go, okay, here's the range of what uh, of what I'm worth right now. Um, I don't want to pay all these fees. I think who was the, there was a Seahawk lineman that did the same thing, a, a tackle um, that that also negotiated his own deal. They they know what they're worth. They go out, put together the deal themselves. Don't pay any lawyers' fees or agent fees, and he's satisfied with what the number that he got and he's satisfied with the team that he's on. So I, I applaud him for doing that. It, it, the, the style in which he did it is a little bit awkward, but to circle back around to one of the things you first said, the Seahawks did him dirty like that. The way that went down is very unbecoming. And if you have been a longtime Seahawk fan, some of the behaviors that have happened in the front office in the last two years, are not very classy in my mind, like, including, like well, this one, um, you know, the way they, the, the Russell Wilson thing played out over multiple seasons was very distasteful to the fan base. Russell would go down to LA and make these videos and do all this stuff. And then the front office wouldn't say anything. And then they would sort of try to enforce terms of the contract when he clearly wanted to extend. If you didn't want to extend, just say you didn't want to extend and let like, it, it was this gamesmanship that was off putting the fan base sort of like, is he our quarterback? Is he not the quarterback? What's going on with Wagner? What's not going on with Wagner? Like there was, there was, they do these moves in a way that is, it's just it's weird. Yeah, when Marshawn left the first time, he was he was pissed off about it. Uh, when you think of Earl and the way that Earl left, Earl was pissed off. You think about the way he exited the, the Sherman. Field, the the he, Sherman he, deal he, was weird, and he broke his leg, so they they cut him loose. And what you see them now doing, and it, and it maybe I feel bad for Earl because his house just burned down. Uh, and Earl his it, Earl Thomas went off the rails. They all have. The Legion of Boom completely went off the rails, and nobody talks about that. Everybody celebrates the Legion of Boom. One of the one of the guys is, is it Browner, federal prison, yeah, federal prison for charges of murder, right? And then we know Richard Sim, Richard Richard Simmons, Richard Simmons is doing Richard, Sher Richard Sherman is now he's I think he's going to be on the Thursday night football game. And he has come back, and I guess he's trying to do some stuff with, with the Seahawks. And it looks like Richard has done his work, and 
you know, Richard did something that was pretty terrifying to, to all of us and to the community. But he came out. He was humble about it. He apologized. He said he's doing his work. And then, and then we haven't seen that rear its ugly head again. And then, and th- and then we see what's happened with Earl, the the Legion of Boom, all that head trauma. When when you look at the impact that these players had, um, I think it's going to affect some of them for the rest of their lives. I, I just think that John Schneider seems to really think highly of himself, and he did put together a Super Bowl team. But since that team. I, I don't know. They got lucky with Russell, and they and in some ways they got lucky with those draft picks. And now they're trying to prove to the world that they can recreate 2013. I don't think they can. We will see on the other side. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch Loan. You hear him on our show all the time. Mitch, interest rates have been fluctuating all over the yard. Uh, you guys have a cool new program right now called Lock and Shop. How does it work? Yeah, historically, you know, you have to find a house, get an accepted offer in order to lock in your rate. Well, we've seen the market and we've seen rates continuing to rise and rise. And so we developed a new program called Lock and Shop. And that means you can actually, as soon as you're pre-approved, lock in your rate with us and you have a three-month window to go shop. If it expires, that's okay and you can start again. But you have a three-month window where your rate is locked and you know exactly what rate you're going to get. That's really good. So that's it's people don't realize usually that you don't lock the rate till after you get the house so this gives you a little peace of mind where it's like by the time i find the one i want i'm not going to be locked into a higher rate absolutely all right so give mitch a call check him out online first mitch.loans that's mitch.loans he's a partner here on the ron and don show lock and shop everybody all right you guys welcome back to the final segment of the ron and don show don't forget if you need us uh just reach out and we can reach back yeah email me ron at ron reminder if you got beaten up by this buyer's market uh, a year ago and never jumped in, now is a great time to jump in and be a buyer in the specific Northwest. Yeah. Let's talk about Jeff Bezos. Well, let's talk about actually Mackenzie Scott, who loved being Jeff Bezos' wife so much that she changed her name back to Scott, right? 25 years of marriage. It looks like he was having an affair out in the open for everybody else to watch. She was so classy, though, you guys, in the way that she handled that. Uh, she didn't go out on Twitter and tear them apart. Uh, some people say, well, she played nice because of the money. It doesn't matter. She was going to get that money whether she played nice or not, right? And then she turned around, married a school teacher, which I find that to be very fascinating and very refreshing. And and now here she is. She's already given away a lot of her wealth. She got 25% of his Amazon stock or their, I shouldn't say his, their Amazon stock. And that represents about 4% of the company altogether. She's currently worth, I think, $38.9 billion. And she woke up the other day and said, you know what? I'm going to give $55 million away to this. And it was a place in Los Angeles that I believed helped with housing. How refreshing is Mackenzie Scott, Ron? That she went out, she married a school teacher. She didn't uh, go after him in any way. I don't think she played nice. 